1: Yeah, it's what we say
2: so. That's right, and because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give.
1: I'm Greg Oliar. Four years ago, I stopped writing novels to report on the crimes of Donald Trump and his associates. In 2018... I wrote a best-selling book about it, Dirty Rubles. In 2019, I launched Prevail, a bi-weekly column about Trump and Putin, spies and mobsters, and so many traitors! Trump may be gone, but the damage he wrought will take years to fully understand. Join me and a revolving crew of contributors and guests as we try to make sense of it all. This is Prevail.
2: Hello, Mueller junkies. Just a quick note that our online store is up with all sorts of new Muller She Wrote swag. And for one more week, you can subscribe and become a Patreon to receive the weekly newsletter, my show notes, ad-free episodes... All of the bonus episodes and the book club reviews for as little as $1 a month. After October 1st, the minimum tier goes up to 3 bucks, but you can lock it in now at the lower rate. So shop on the online store and become a patron by visiting mullersherote.com today. And when you're done there, please head to Apple Podcasts. That's the network formerly known as iTunes. And give us a rating and subscribe. That simple action goes a long way toward helping us get the word out about the Mueller investigation. And thank you all for supporting women in podcasting. I use a pseudonym to avoid violating the Hatch Act as I work for Trump's executive branch. With me, as always, is Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. Jordan Coburn is out of town this week. Good evening, San Diego. I'm Veronica Corningstone. Tits McGee is on vacation. We have a great show for you this week, you guys. Jalisa is going to cover new reporting on the money that moved around before and after the Trump Tower meeting. And I'm going to be covering uh, the Kavanaugh nomination story and what's happening with Dr. Ford's negotiations to testify to the Senate Judiciary Committee. We also have an interview with New York Times bestselling author of The View from Flyover Country, Sarah Kenzier, and an in-depth interview about all this week's news with actor, comedian, and activist Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, my God. I know. She's so awesome. This is crazy. Uh, before we get to all that, I don't know how we're going to top that next week. I think I think we actually have Michael McFaul coming on. Oh snap! Uh, he's the uh, former ambassador to Russia under uh, Obama. We talked about him a lot in Russian Roulette by Issacoff and Korn. So mm-hmm. that'll be that's like a legit guest. So I gotta get all. I gotta put on fancy. A, put on pants. Put on pants for that. <laughs> It's usually no pants interviews. But uh, before we get to all that, we do have some corrections from last week's show. First, I kept calling Gary Cohn, Roy Cohn, which kicked up hilarious tweets uh, and discussions about the ghost of Roy Cohn removing documents from Trump's desk. Um, I blame the cold medicine that Jordan and I were mainlining at the time. But thanks to everyone that pointed that out. We appreciate it. Additionally, Um, I wanted to note another correction that governors do not appoint House members when one resigns or dies. They only appoint senators that way. For the House, the Constitution specifies that they hold special elections to replace the House member. Um, So those are the corrections. If you have any corrections this week, uh, particularly in the Q&A section, because I just kind of riff those, uh, nothing's prepared there. I like it, though. So, you know, it's just... Off the cuff, you know It's riffy Yeah Uh, Any corrections, just email them to us uh, at hello at MullerSheWrote.com or tweet at us at MullerSheWrote So uh, we've got a lot of news to cover, so let's jump in with Just the Facts So the bulk of the news this week was focused around the Kavanaugh nomination and the Washington Post story in which Christine Blasey Ford came forward publicly with sexual assault allegations against the nominee. Kavanaugh's popularity is now negative nine in the USA Today poll. That is the lowest of any nominee in the history of the poll. And Trump is telling his minions at rallies that they care about Kavanaugh. We care about Kavanaugh, not so much the other side. He actually said that. Um, That's kind of obvious. I'll be covering the story uh, in Hot Notes with Rosie O'Donnell. And I'll I'll be issuing a trigger warning when that comes up, because both Rosie and I talk about our Me Too stories and, and why we didn't report. Um, we'll be posting the entire interview unedited for patrons. So if you haven't signed up, head to patreon.com slash Muller, she wrote so you can hear the extras. But we will be speaking to her in the episode about Kavanaugh. So stay tuned for that. How do you get a negative nine? Is it like a different polling system? Or is that like basically they take how many people want you and how many people don't want you and they subtract it. So you get negative
1: people, dead people. Right.
2: (laughs) No, so like if 10 people want you and 20 people don't want you that's negative 10. Mm. Oh. So yeah, he's at negative 9 right now and he was at negative uh, 4 last week and he was at 4 the week before and he was at I think nine the week before that so or week or a couple weeks Interesting. every couple So weeks, you want to so.
1: get a what zero or
2: higher you want <laughs> much higher yeah <laughs> you want way more people wanting you than not wanting you you want a plus I think oh. I don't I don't have any information on what the past ones were I, I can't tell you but yeah I think I think Maddo had said the next closest one was like a like a 12 or something mm-hmm. I but I honestly I can't remember I'm I'm guessing. so. Mine out of 12. There's our in first. In my heart. <laughs> Turn Sorry. her up to 12. That's conjecture. But- so, there's our first correction. Email us. <laughs> uh, not yours, mine. <clears throat> so early in the week, we learned that uh, Ronan Farrow, uh, he's like the little adorable reporter, very popular, <laughs> uh, Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize winner. He's now in possession of Trump's apprentice B-roll tapes, according to Tom Arnold. B-roll is like the behind-the-scenes bloopers. Well, these tapes could include the tape where Omarosa, you know, Manigault Newman, says she, she heard Donald Trump use the N-word. Right, That could be one of them, along with a lot of sexually inappropriate content where he's hitting on women and harassing people. Uh, Ronan Farrow earned a Pulitzer, as I said before, with his reporting on Harvey Weinstein. So, uh, Apparently, uh, Tom Arnold and the producer of The Apprentice Mark Burnett got into a physical altercation last Sunday at the Emmys, just mm-hmm. two days before Tom Arnold's show Hunt for the Trump tapes was to premiere on <laughs> Viceland. Uh, if this reporting is true, we might see this come out from Ronan Farrow in the coming weeks.
1: So put some beans on that. It's crazy. And I love the fact that like there are Trump bloopers out there because he just seems like, you know, a blooper every time. So it's like, <laughs> it's crazy that it gets worse, you know? My <laughs> oh, God, I can't even imagine. Uh, speaking of beans,
2: let me explain beans because we get a lot of we get a lot of questions about beans. Mm-hmm.
3: Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Buttercup is Mary Humperdinck in a little less than half an hour. So all we have to do is get in, break up the wedding, steal the princess, make our escape.
2: So a long time ago when uh, I was doing stand-up, I still do stand-up, but I used to too. Um, <laughs> yeah, shout out to Mitch Rest Hedberg. in peace. <laughs> no, I know. Rest in peace. Out for the homie. <laughs> I got coffee. I'll just... No. <laughs> uh, anyway... There was a, a comedian named Dallas McLaughlin who I worked with a lot. Um, we hosted an open mic night together um, back-to-back at, uh, at a place called the Blarney Stone Pub here in town, uh, known as the best open mic slash worst open mic in town for, gosh, it was about <laughs> nine years. Like, that's where you went if you wanted a hard time. Like, if you wanted people to give you a really hard time and heckle you and you had to kind of, like, cut your teeth, that's mm-hmm. where you went. It was, You want to grow, yeah. It was really difficult because there's was just a bunch of old, crusty Irish sailing guys and they were just like, their beards are older <laughs> than me. And they, man, get off the stage, blah. And, you know, it was awesome. So uh, he, he used to have this bit about, this was during a time when Larry the Cable Guy was a big thing. And he had a catchphrase, get her done. Remember that? <laughs> and then uh, the other guy had, you know, you might be a redneck if, you know, right. they had that whole blue collar comedy tour thing. So catchphrases were a thing. And Dallas was like, well, obviously I, I have to, if I'm going to be famous, I have to have a catchphrase. So he was running, part of one of his bits, one of his jokes was he was running these ridiculous catchphrases by the audience. And one of them was put some beans on it. And it always just stuck in my head, made me laugh. And when I was trying to come up with a catchphrase for us, like, you know, how Maddo has watched this space or put a pin in it. um, I was like, I need something like that. Like, watch this space, basically. Um, And I tried all sorts of different things. Um, I did did polls online. I asked the hive mind. (laughs) And I couldn't come up with one. So it just dawned on me. I was like, you know, I'm just gonna say put some beans on it. Because that's ridiculous. And that's where that came from. So we had him on episode 24, I think, to to record all sorts of different va- yes, v- varieties of beans. We have a pl- plethora of bean <laughs> recordings. <laughs> we do. Yeah. So that's where that comes from. Anyway, I just wanted to let you know. Also, back to the news. Uh, the testing on the $20 million Trump wall prototypes here in Otay Mesa, in our backyard, is finished. And the reports have come out showing that the project is a complete and total failure, utter failure, Um, First of all, anyone with half a brain knows that physical walls are ineffective and virtual technology and (laughs) drone technology is better and safer for patrolling the border. And I don't mean drones that shoot you. I just mean like camera drones. Um, Hmm. Shooting drones are obviously not safer, but... um, all eight prototypes. Remember, they had like eight little sections of the wall. That's right. Yeah, like oh my god, like they're shopping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were all breached by at least one of the tactical teams. Um, every single one. This and the scaling results of when how the, when they were scaling the walls. Those were totally redacted. Uh, and they failed to even test how the prototypes fared against tunneling so the project is over it's a complete failure a total waste of 20 total waste of 20 million dollars is it really over it's over oh man well the wall isn't over right the testing that... is over got it um, 20 million dollars down the tubes I know a few veterans
1: who could have used that money but Are they going to try again, like Uh, with a new? Probably. I guess that's how it works, right? You just keep testing, keep making money, keep yeah. The best thing we
2: can do is stall the wall, but I mean, stall the wall. But I mean that you know, in November, it's not going to be an
1: issue anymore. Um, Hopefully, right? Show up. Yes, you have to show up for that to be true. I saw Fahrenheit 119 last night. Holy crap! Good. So good. We'll have to watch that. Oh, absolutely. Maybe we'll do a review of it. Yes, we need to.
2: Yeah, but you have to show up. Don't make a liar out of me. Uh, I'll be mad. (laughs) And then you don't even know. You don't want to see A.G. Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Monday, The Atlantic ran a story about good old Lindsey Graham, who made the rounds on the Sunday shows, the talk shows with Republican John Kennedy. It freaks me out. There's a Republican named Kennedy. But anyway, (laughs) um, they were saying that Mueller should be allowed to finish his investigation. Well, here to chat with us today about this new reporting on Lindsey Graham Crackers is writer and author of the New York Times bestselling book, The View from Flyover Country. Please welcome Sarah Kenzier. Sarah, welcome to Mueller She Wrote. Oh, thank you so much for having me. We really we're glad you're here um, to talk about this because this is interesting because all the way back in 2017, you had reminded everyone. Because uh, I feel like we, the country collectively forgot that it wasn't just the DNC and the DCCC that was hacked. The GOP and the RNC were also hacked by the Russians. And that's in part the reason that uh, senators and Republicans like Lindsey Graham went from being scathingly critical of Trump to like whipped sycophants, praising him at every opportunity, at least I thought so. And, and recently a news org picked that up and ran the headline like it was new saying counterterrorism expert says Lindsey Graham is compromised. So can you tell us a little bit about your theory back in 2017 and, and what kind of evidence has come out since then that really supports your assertion?
3: Yeah, I did a lot of interviews, um, I guess, about a year ago, starting in October, um, about Lindsey Graham and about the Republicans in general, and why so many of them had done a 180 um, from, I guess, mildly criticizing Trump to having this level of obsequiousness, uh, especially since more information was being revealed by Mueller, uh, people like Manafort were being indicted. If anything, it seemed like they would move in the direction of admitting uh, Republican culpability and Trump's culpability, but we saw the opposite, and so... Yes, everything you just said was true. Uh, The Republicans were hacked. The case of Graham um, is very interesting because he, as an individual, uh, was also hacked. It wasn't just um, that he may have been part of a a broader attack on the RNC. He was attacked um, as an individual, and he spoke about this immediately after the election, um, which was also the time that he and John McCain called for an investigation into Russian interference. And so, you know, it it has been my belief that he's... Compromised um, in some way. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's even a matter of blackmail. It could be a matter of threats. Um, you know, it could be a matter of complicity uh, because we know of his own ties uh, to Russian oligarchs as well as ties in the GOP. Um, there's also other issues to take into account. You know, careerism, opportunism. But I think this is beyond that. I think when you do such a hard 180 um, as Lindsey Graham did on this topic, where everyone can just see you, you know, flipping in in. Can just see whatever is left of your integrity drain away, uh, that there's something um,
2: darker at play. Yeah. And can you go into uh, you had mentioned some of the Russian oligarch ties that he has? What What are you talking about there?
3: Um, there was an article, I think it was in the Dallas Morning News, maybe that came out. Um, late last December or early in January that laid out uh, the ties of a lot of uh, prominent Republican officials to Russian oligarchs, uh, including Lindsey Graham, who I believe was tied to Oleg Deripaska, um, but people should double-check that. And, you know, he was tied uh, as an individual in terms of his own um, investments, his own campaign. But I think what's important to know is that, you know, so many uh, prominent players managing the finances of the Republican National Convention, and of the GOP in general are enmeshed uh, in the Russian interference case. And, you know, they've admitted to it. People like Michael Cohen, people like Rick Gates. And so I think you know, as as a whole, the party is tainted. And if one goes down, uh, you know, others will go down with them. But, um, you know, what I would like to know almost more than why did Graham flip is why did he inaugurate the investigation into Russian interference to begin with? Because clearly he feels vulnerable. Clearly he feels you know, threatened and that there's something to hide. But he and McCain uh, were the first two Republican politicians and, you know, for a while, the only two to come out and take a hard stand, you know, and, and call for this. So I'm wondering why he took that risk to begin with.
2: Yeah, it does seem odd. And it's interesting to, to note, as you said, that he was individually hacked, much like uh, John Podesta uh, was fished um, using spearfishing, which is common for I can't remember if it's Fancy Bear or Cozy Bear. It's one of the bears. It's their way. So, um, yeah, it's just it's interesting that he he was saying, like, there'll be hell to pay and all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden, shoot, he kind of flipped around like that. So and and we've been, you know, after you came out with that, you know, we were like, yeah, what's up with that? We started this podcast l- late last October um, when Manafort and Gates were indicted. And and I think you're right with Cohen. He got that five hundred thousand dollars into his little essential consultants slush fund. From a Russian oligarch. And and yeah, they're just really enmeshed in it. So it's it's interesting. And what I wanted to ask you about, though, is this week, uh, Andrew Craigie, Craigie of The Atlantic put out a story talking about how Lindsey Graham had abandoned his support for Jeff Sessions in late August saying uh, the Mueller probe was biased against Trump and, and maybe it's time for a new AG after the midterms. But recently, this week, uh, he went in uh, on an interview, uh, Graham did, saying, and Kennedy, voicing their support of the Mueller investigation, or at least saying that they think Mueller is going to be fair and that he should be allowed to continue unfettered. What's, what do you think his strategy is with those statements if he's compromised? Do you think he's just kind of sort of putting up little safety nets or like what's the deal?
3: Yeah, I'm suspicious of basically any media story that comes out um, involving Jeff Sessions and this appearance of feuding within the Trump administration um, and Jeff Sessions. Anything that positions him as a white hat, um, I'm incredibly suspicious of because I think the only white hat related to Jeff Sessions is shaped like a cone and comes with a robe. Um, But, you know, Jeff Sessions is is also, um, he's implicated in this. He's implicated in the Russian interference case. He was hired as a foreign policy advisor for Trump. He's the one who brought on top He's the one who met with Kislyak. He allegedly was supposed to recuse himself. Everyone talks about this as if it actually happened. He didn't recuse himself in practice. He went ahead and signed on to the firing of Comey. And there's no real indication to me that Sessions is somehow this bulwark, um, you know, against Trump and his team interfering with the Mueller investigation. I think that it, it benefits them to think that there's this friction because then we think, oh, you know, due process. Oh, you know uh the investigation is continuing as it should be and even Jeff Sessions is is doing his job and we're not in tremendous jeopardy I'm just uh I'm suspicious of that so now I'm trying to remember the the second part of your question beyond oh Graham Graham flipping on that Uh, yeah I think that um there's some safety like if you know I don't want to sound too paranoid here but like if a Republican. Uh, feels that the the results of the Mueller investigation are going to be inconsequential, meaning, you know, because certain people will be indicted, um, they'll confirm, you know, a, a lot of illicit and illegal behavior happened, but nothing will really come of it. You know, uh, certain people stay in the administration, like Sessions and Kushner, and of course, Trump, um, and of course, the Republicans themselves won't be punished. If they feel confident in that, then I think they feel confident in kind of, you know, cheering, Muller probe on. Um, and then, you know, maybe they switch up their rhetoric a little bit if Trump or somebody else uh, gets offended by that, because I'm not sure that, you know, Trump uh, plays that particular game um, quite as adeptly. But yeah, I'm I'm wary um, of all the Sessions talk. I don't trust it.
2: Yeah, and it could be that or it could be, uh, you know, them putting up a little a flag saying, in case what does come out is really bad, I wanted to b- have been in support of the Mueller investigation um, so that I can walk away with my hands clean, like casino hands. But I yeah, it's it is very. Yeah, I'm really wary of it, too. And I, I honestly think that all of the Trump, um, you know, tweets and speeches against Sessions are really just him trying to lay A groundwork or or set up a pretext for firing him after the midterms without it looking like obstruction. Um, But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Hopefully we'll have a Democratic um, bicameral House in place, at least the House, uh, if not the Senate. And, you know, we can then reopen these investigations and take them where they where they should be. Now, do you think other people like Ted Cruz, who's just turned into this cuck for him or Rorabacher or Nunes. I think I I think I've heard rumors that people are told to stay away from Rorabacher and Nunes because they're under investigation. Those are rumors, obviously. But do you think maybe they could also uh, be compromised by
3: by something like this? Oh, God, well, has been compromised. Forever. I mean, like, you know, I used to study Uzbekistan, and, you know, Dana Rohrbacher is basically the only person in Congress who could be relied on to praise and celebrate the dictator of Uzbekistan, Islam Karimov, who was just, you know, one of the most brutal dictators in the world. And at one point, I was giving a talk about this in D.C., and, and he was there for whatever reason, you know, to talk at an institution or something, and got really angry. And it's not just Uzbekistan, obviously. You know, he's a huge Putin fan. Like, basically, if there's a post Soviet dictator, uh, Dana. Ruribacher just loves him, and I do think that there's a kleptocratic um, part to this. I think some of it is just veneration um, for autocrats. I don't really know what drove him there, but it's so consistent. Um, but I think you know he he has money in play. It's extremely strange uh, behavior. Nunes uh, is more a mystery to me, you know, because he's younger. um, He hasn't been in politics for a very long time. Uh, You know, unlike Roerbacher, he's had kind of inconsistencies in his position. Uh, You may remember, I think it was March 2017, he gave his first press conference where he was basically called out for being a lapdog for Trump instead of a watchdog for the info committee. And he looked terrified. He looked like, oh, God, you know, I been caught. Oh, I might have to face uh, repercussions. But then he just went on to do the same things that he's been doing, which is basically he attempts to obstruct the investigation. And I think the longer uh, that he's not held accountable for that behavior, the more emboldened he is to do it. And that's true for the Republicans in general. But I think for someone sort of new to politics um, like Nunes, you know, the lesson he's learning is just, you know, stay uh, stay in the game on the wrong team. Uh, you know, never flinch, and ultimately you'll be rescued. And that's a really terrible lesson uh, for you know him to be absorbing, and for America in general.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I really agree with you on the Rohrabacher points too. Because I mean, with this whole Manafort cooperation now, it's it's really bad for Rohrabacher because they work together lobbying for Yanukovych with the help of like Van der Swan and Gates and and the Skadden law firm, and that's why uh Craig Greg Craig, Craig was recently handed over um, by the Mueller investigation and they're weighing whether or not and he's a democrat whether or not they're going to get him on on violating um the foreign agents registration act as well so it's all really interesting
3: Yeah no it's frightening and another thing about Rohrbacher that people forget um, is that he was the initial person floated as Secretary of State after Trump was elected. He was the very first name. Uh, and later on, we went on to find out that, you know, the Kremlin had played a role in selecting Tillerson, um, you know, likely because they wanted the sanctions lifted and they were familiar with Tillerson from, well, from his order of friendships, <laughs> but also from the oil industry. And the minute I saw that, the minute I saw that they were going to make Dana Rohrbacher Secretary of State, I was like, there's absolutely no way in hell that this." this was not a Kremlin plot, you know, obviously in tandem with a lot of willing Americans, but I was like, come on, like you are just showing, you know, all your cards. And this is way back, I think in December, 2016, when most people thought, you know, I was crazy and that anyone who, who said Russia had interfered with the election was crazy. And I was just like, this is so blatant. Um, and I, I do think that he probably played uh, a bigger role in this entire a series of events uh, that has been revealed. And I hope that Mueller goes after him hard. Yeah, well, they are definitely America's
2: dumbest criminals at this point. But, um, (laughs) well, everyone, you can get Sarah's book of essays on politics, the economy and the erosion of U.S. institutions and trust. It's called The View from Flyover Country. You can get it everywhere books are sold. So, Sarah, Kenzier, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Oh, thank you for having me on.
2: Wednesday, we learned that the sentencing of Michael Flynn is set for December 18th. Uh, Cohen will be sentenced December 12th. Trump will call this the new
1: war on Christmas. (laughs)
2: Um, Fine. Fine by me.
1: He was mad last holiday season, too, wasn't he? He was like, this has to be wrapped up by Thanksgiving.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Or he's mad that he can't go to a party because he did something stupid. Mm -hmm. Um, He's weird. Yeah. Um, We also learned Wednesday that Senators Blumenthal, Leahy and Doug Jones, that's the newly elected Democrat from Alabama that beat pedo Roy Moore. (laughs) He sent a letter to Don McGahn. That's the White House counsel, right? That's the rock and roll guy who uh, has the lawyer Burke. Um and this that's the same lawyer that Priebus and Bannon have you know mm-hmm. so that guy McGann he's the one who spent 30 hours talking to Mueller and, and everybody freaked out except we were having a party, <laughs> um the White House Counsel so they sent him a letter regarding the Kavanaugh nomination and they had a few questions for McGann and the letter says quote these questions do not come to us in a vacuum. Press reports uh, from February of this year indicate that you were aware of the domestic violence allegations against former Staff Secretary Rob Porter over a year before the allegations became public. Additionally, it has been reported that Kavanaugh recommended Rob Porter for the job, unquote. So the senators want to know if McGahn was aware of Dr. Ford's allegations before they became public, when he knew and what details he had prior to the allegations becoming public, and if anyone else knew about the allegations besides him. Further, the letter goes on to address the signed letter from 65 women Kavanaugh went to high school with. Then Blumenthal asked if McGahn was involved in drafting or coordinating that letter. When it was drafted, you want to know when it was drafted, what prompted it, whose idea was it, if it was coordinated with anyone in the Senate Judiciary Committee, and if any of it was drafted before Dr. Ford's allegations became public. Finally, the letter asked what, if any, steps did McGann take to investigate the allegations against Kavanaugh, if he's
1: aware of any other allegations against Kavanaugh. Two big things. Other allegations against Kavanaugh. I hadn't considered that. And mm. it's crazy because not to say that, you know, one isn't too many, but or, you know, enough. But it just feels like, um, yeah, a lot of them are repeat offenders. It's such a simple thing to them is like, oh, back in the day, everyone did this in my group. So like, yeah, there could be other women. There really could.
2: Well a study shows from Rand that the average rapist or attempted rapist will do it five point eight times in their life.
1: Five point eight? What's the point eight about? Uh well you know it's an average That's crazy. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, I just got it right. Really... You only put it eight
2: <laughs> of the that's way. in. Is that what you're
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like is that an attempt, but it's still wrong. Yeah, harassment. <laughs> Three
2: quarters of the way is ten inches. No it mm-hmm. isn't. Stop it. Uh, just because you showed it to me twice doesn't make it ten inches. <laughs> um anyway, we're gonna keep you posted. Um With when and how McGahn responds to this letter. As we know, McGahn has been fully cooperating with the Mueller investigation, as I had stated earlier, and there have been accusations from Democratic senators that Kavanaugh had spoken with Trump's lawyers firm about the Mueller investigation. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how all that comes together. And again, that that's a good point to make. A lot of people would be like, why are you talking about Kavanaugh? I'm here to listen about Mueller. But Kavanaugh has a lot to do with the Mueller investigation. If he gets seated on the court, the Supreme Court, here's a Trump case. And we know Kavanaugh is very prone to believe that the president is above the law. Um, he's written extensively about it. Uh, and he has not promised to recuse himself. So it's it's got a lot to do with the Mueller investigation. And that whole Kamala Harris line of questioning we saw In the confirmation hearings where she asked, did you talk to anyone at this law firm? um, It's it's kind of a big deal. Totally. Absolutely. So it's Kazowitz's law firm, by the way. That's Trump's lawyer. Trump sat out Trump sat out Wednesday <laughs> on to Thursday no Trump set out Wednesday with more attacks against Jeff Sessions it's clear to me he's trying to create a false pretext for firing sessions so it doesn't look like obstruction of justice uh, i think he maybe learned his lesson after firing seven other people <laughs> Uh, Eight times the charm. Yeah. <laughs> Eight out of ten. He's, <laughs> he's been laying that groundwork for weeks now and, and most expect he'll fire the attorney general after the midterms, if not sooner. So we'll keep an eye on that. Mm hmm. Another story this week was Trump's unprecedented call for the release of unredacted parts of the Carter Page FISA warrant, along with uh, all FBI interviews regarding the FISA warrant. Nunes chimed in, butthole, saying <laughs> the documents could uh, could be released in a couple of hours and it should, quote, worry the heck out of Americans if, if they're not. Where the heck? <laughs> I'm oh. worried about other things, Newness. Yeah, like he's got a really good track record with classified information. Mm-hmm. Um, the president received a heavy, heavy pushback from this, or on this from Democrats and intelligence officials. The most idiotic part was that Trump was citing transparency, asking to release pages 10 through 12 and 17 through 34 of the FISA warrant application. I guess transparency is only on those pages.
1: Oh, interesting. <laughs> um,
2: Thursday night Uh, Trump began walking back his demands uh, with a full 180 on Friday when he tweeted that he had received calls from several allies asking him not to release the documents uh, and even going as far as to say it would look bad for him to release them in light of the Russia investigation. God, do you think so? (laughs) Uh, Also of note, it was Rosenstein who apparently convinced Trump not to declassify the documents after spending a couple hours at the White House Thursday night. The L.A. Times reported Friday that it was, in fact, Fox News anchors that had convinced the president to try to declassify the documents. And I think their motive was to set up a confrontation with Rosenstein and perhaps give Trump a reason to fire him. Well, that appears to have failed. And only a handful of hours later, some crazy news dropped Friday about Rosenstein. And I'll go over that later. Kind of suspicious. Mm -hmm. And then in a weird piece of reporting from the Talking Points memo, Trump told a reporter from The Hill that he should have fired Comey when he won the primary or at least after the Republican convention.
3: That's not how it works.
2: Obama was still the president at that point, and Trump had not yet won the election. (laughs) To me, and maybe I'm nuts, maybe I'm tinfoil here, but aside from Trump not understanding how shit works, this speaks to Trump knowing before the election even happened that he was going to win. Quote, I should have fired him before I got here. I should have fired him the day I won the primaries. How can you say that? With so much confidence, completely dismissing the actual election as a rubber stamp. It's interesting, right?
1: Oh, definitely. And I always find it interesting that even though Trump seemed to know he was going to win, he also seemed like he didn't want to win. It just seems like a prisoner. To, but I don't want to pity him either. You know, he's also a piece yeah, of shit. fuck but that guy. Yeah, it's a weird situation.
2: <laughs> then a big story dropped Thursday that Cohen has been cooperating with Mueller pretty extensively without a cooperation agreement in place.
3: I am Captain Cooperation.
2: It's important to remember that Mueller is not handling the Cohen case, but Cohen, you can remember he handed it off to the Southern District right. of New York. Mm-hmm. But Cohen is nonetheless talking to Mueller about key issues, including, according to sources, obstruction, money laundering and his business dealings with Russia, that Sater Trump Tower deal, whether or not Trump offered him a pardon, and collusion. Uh, he's also apparently talking to the New York State AG. I like hmm. just AG. Yeah. It's not me. It's the Attorney General of <laughs> Good New, initials, New York yeah. State. Uh, about the Trump Organization and the Trump Foundation. This is big because Cohen is all over the dossier, you guys, which is still to this date has not been debunked. No no part
1: of it has been disproven. People um, dispute Prague. I guess that one is the yet to be determined, right? Some people are like, no, he definitely wasn't there. And I'm like, I could have sworn they said there were a couple of passports and they're looking into that. Yeah, it's not been debunked yet. Yeah, uh, Cohen has his hand in the payments of
2: foreign hackers also. And he, he knows about the oligarch money coming into Trump coffers. This is a big deal. Though it's of note that Cohen is totally tainted. He's complete P.O.S. Totally tainted, yeah. Totes taint. <laughs> nice. Uh, everybody knows it, uh, which may be why he waited until after he pleaded guilty to start cooperating, so as to look as though he weren't trying to dangle for pardons. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we'll put some beans on it, beans, <laughs> and we'll keep keep you posted. Then Friday we learned about more money changing hands shortly before and directly after the Trump Tower meeting, and Jaleesa's going to update that. Um, Later in the show Mm -hmm. Then Friday we got an update on the case That could close some of the options Mueller may have to release a public Report on Trump or transmit One to Congress remember a couple weeks ago Episode 44 um, I talked about a decades old murder case Everyone was freaking out about because it could favor A reading of court rules that would require Judges to strictly enforce grand Jury secrecy well let's listen to that Clip Then, everybody started freaking out Monday about a report in Politico.
0: Hey, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria.
2: Uh, the report was about a sleeper case that could supposedly torpedo the entire Mueller investigation. Basically, the D.C. Court of Appeals will hear a case next month about a guy who was murdered decades ago, and the Justice Department wants to set precedent that judges don't have the freedom to release grand jury information that's usually kept secret. And a lot of folks are afraid this could be a problem for for Mueller releasing his report because Congress would be deciding to publicize it, not a judge. However, chill out. First, we need to vote in November because a Democratic Congress would render this point completely moot. Uh, If not, I think a court case could easily create an exemption, not to mention denying an indictment would automatically trigger a report to Congress, the Gang of Eight. And above all, Mueller, I'm sure, has every base covered, so don't let this stress you out. So that case came up Friday, and the three-judge panel issued no immediate decision and gave no definitive indication of where the court will come down on this decision. We'll keep you posted as promised. Also on Friday, the Wall Street Journal reported that ex-Trump lawyer John Dowd, tried to help pay legal fees for Manafort and Gates before. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so apparently he tried to divert money from the White House Legal Counsel defense fund. And it's sad that there's one uh, in addition to soliciting donors and putting up twenty five thousand dollars out of his own pocket. This is John Dowd. In all cases, advisors close to Trump objected to Dowd's action, saying it, it could appear aimed at stopping the two former aides from cooperating with investigators.
1: You think? Yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: at this time or at that time, I should say, Dowd was heading Trump's legal team in the Russia investigation. And this could prove to be signif- a significant conflict of interest or even witness tampering. You know, it's it's kind of akin to dangling a pardon. So even Trump was like, "Hey, you you might not want to do that." I don't think Trump said. I think it was oh, Trump okay. Trump advisors, Cohen or some, Yeah, I mean, got yeah, it.
1: Trump might not even have known, but who, yeah, who Trump, knows? what does Trump know? <laughs> and and when did he learn it? <laughs> or he wouldn't have understand, understood. <laughs> yeah, does he still know?
2: Are you smarter than a fifth grader? <laughs> not <laughs> according he... to Mattis. <laughs> we should do a game show. I love it. That would be a good skit. All right. But then Friday got interesting, you guys. As I was saying earlier, Rosenstein spent a couple hours at the White House uh, Thursday night trying to talk Trump off the ledge about releasing unredacted Carter Page FISA application documents, right? Mm -hmm. Trump got the idea from folks at at Fox News who seemingly wanted to set up a fight between Rosenstein and Trump, giving Trump a reason to fire him, as we've discussed. Hours after that failed and Trump walked back his document release, you know, agenda And, and rather... Suspiciously, the New York Times published a story saying that Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, a.k.a. Snoop (laughs) Dag, had allegedly talked about wearing a wire around Trump in the week following the Comey firing to help recruit cabinet-level officials to invoke the 25th Amendment. Rosenstein immediately dismissed the reporting as false and said he does not now support the 25th Amendment. And it's interesting that he used the present tense. (laughs) Um, But as as the day went on, the controversial story was refuted by both NBC and the Washington Post. They both say Rosenstein's comment about wearing a wire was a joke, according to a source that was present in that meeting. Also, according to the source, the White House had asked Rosenstein to make a second stronger statement refuting the New York Times article and Trump. And he did. He came out and said, no, I didn't do this. And Trump had asked several of his aides late Friday night if he should fire Rosenstein that's crazy this could be big you guys and and the contested reporting uh, for the New York Times will no doubt give fodder to the Trump administration's allegation that there's a deep state um, and it could give Trump pretext to fire Rosenstein I'm more than convinced that the sources working with the New York Times were working on behalf of Trump. I know that sounds weird. It actually, um, it doesn't watch
1: Fahrenheit 11.9. It actually <laughs> makes a lot of sense.
2: It's conjecture, uh, but I'm right, I think. <laughs> I have spent the last three years. No, I haven't. Trump has spent the last three years belittling and demeaning the failing New York Times as fake news. It'll be hard now for Trump to come out and support this article calling you know, and call it credible, but I wouldn't put it past him. Um, put some beans on this space. Mm-hmm. See, I put a little mix, a little matter. I really there. like that. That was smooth. <laughs> Thank you. Finally, Saturday, NBC reports that a press advisor helping lead the Senate Judiciary Committee's response to a sexual assault allegation against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh has resigned in shame amid evidence he was fired from a previous political position because of sexual harassment allegations. Hmm. He worked as an aide. On Chuck Grassley's committee and he was helping coordinate the GOP's bullying and misogynistic messaging about Dr. Blasey Ford explains a lot doesn't it oh yeah we'll be right back hello this is AG and normally we'd be plugging in a mid-roll advertisement here we're growing pretty rapidly, and the show is going to start filling its ad card. But you can avoid it all by becoming a patron and getting private feeds to ad-free episodes. There's one week left to buy in at a dollar a month before we raise the minimum pledge to three bucks on October 1st. So head over to patreon.com slash wrote and sign up now. You'll be grandfathered in at the lower rate, and you won't have to hear this part of the show anymore. Personally, I like these little breaks because I'm a huge fan of the music, but that's just me. Thanks for supporting women in podcasting. All right. Welcome back. Hot notes. Welcome back. It's time for hot notes. This week, Julissa has an update on the money that was moved around just before and directly after the Trump Tower meeting. If you listen to our episode last week, according to BuzzFeed, investigators are focused on two bursts of banking activity, one 11 days after the Trump Tower meeting and one right after the election. According to documents, money was moved from Russia and Switzerland to the British Virgin Islands, Bangkok and a small office park in New Jersey. Aris <laughs> Agalarov used overseas accounts to filter over 20 million bucks to himself and his son Amin and two of his douche buddies. Uh, and, who, and, and other people who attended the Trump Tower meeting, namely uh, Kavalatse and Goldstone. <laughs> uh, these transactions came to light after bankers filed suspicious activity reports to the Treasury, which in turn shared them with the FBI, IRS, congressional committees, and Bob Mueller. Uh, additionally, 13 days after the election, the Aguilarov's bank account in Russia made 19 separate wire transfers to that New Jersey account belonging to Amin, and that account hadn't seen any activity since 2015. So Jelisa has an update to this, uh, because there's more to the story now. Julissa, what do you have for us?
1: Oh, yeah. So BuzzFeed uh, put out another article called The Planners of the Trump Tower Meeting Moved Millions, and Mueller is now investigating. And so apparently documents show suspicious transfers that began six days before the infamous meeting. And on June 3rd, 2016, when Trump received the controversial email from Russia offering dirt on Hillary, uh, what we learned is that on that very same day that the email was sent, another suspicious exchange occurred. So documents reviewed by BuzzFeed showed that $3.3 million began moving on June 3rd between Agarlov and uh, Cavalace. And some of it even appeared to be used to make payments on Agarlov's behalf. So this included over $700,000 in American Express charges, which is crazy to me. <laughs> Why would you use Amex? That's so old white guy. Very true. I mean, I use Amex, but it's still like, that's a lot of charges. <laughs> really? That's, yeah, because they're expensive. They oh. charge a lot of fees.
2: Maybe yeah. they got buddies at Amex. <laughs>
1: but their attorney, Scott Balber, he said, quote, what is suspicious or insidious about a billionaire who pays his employee in the U.S. to pay his business or domestic bills? This looks like complete nonsense.
2: <laughs> What's suspicious about sending money through eight different uh, wash banks uh, and shell companies to a guy, to two guys who were at a meeting right before the meeting, right after the meeting. What's yeah. weird about that? Yeah. what's the big deal? You're being crazy. Yeah.
1: He basically went on to claim that this is just a witch hunt and he accused the banks of over-reporting suspicious activity due to the Mueller investigation. So, you know, classic lines. And none of these transactions came to light until the New York Times revealed the Trump Tower meeting in 2017.
2: Wait a minute. There was no Mueller investigation back then. So how can they say that the banks were reporting these SARS because of the Mueller investigation? Exactly. Back in June of 2016, there was no Mueller investigation.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's just it, naturally investigators began to look into this because you know, they actually went back into all their history and they went into everyone who attended the meeting. So it's just, you know, standard protocol. And uh, what they learned from this is that three different descriptions uh, of the type of business they were running was given to three separate banks. So they used Citibank, Chase and um, Morgan Stanley. And so they basically said that one of the businesses, it was a music promotion company. And then they also told another company or bank that it was a transportation equipment and supplies merchant wholesaler. And then Agrilarov told Chase it was a service provider for his real estate company. So they're giving all these different types of descriptions for the same company. And their own attorney said that they have two separate businesses, both under the same name, Corsi International. And they have one in California for their real estate, I guess, and then one in New York for their business and music. Wait, it's Corsi,
2: C O R S I. Yes, that's weird. That's the same. That's the name of the guy, the Stonehenge guy, who testified to the grand jury on Friday. Oh. That's weird. Interesting, yeah. Hmm.
1: I wonder about that. But this whole is pretty confusing when you say it all like that because th- this is la- the lack of transparency that basically made the bankers question the purpose of the funds in the in the first place. They were like, "This is kind of hard to follow. We don't know what company is what. You say it's all the same, but there's all these different descriptions, and so it was just you know naturally they flagged it. It was just really weird. And, and if, they
2: happened on the same day that, that Don Junior sent that. Uh, if it's what you, if it's exactly. what you say, I love, I love it. it. Email, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Really weird. So the money ended up with Kavalatze?
1: Yes, exactly. From Agalarov, Yeah, yeah. There who's Trump's buddy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And Nothing s- to see here. Right. Yeah, yeah. So this is where it all actually comes down to Russia. So Kavalate's established more than 2,000 corporations in Delaware for Russian real estate brokers, and then he set up the U.S. bank accounts for them.
2: I wonder if Cavallazzi had anything to do with Bayrock, and uh, I wonder how many... Trump condos he owns. Uh, yeah. I, I'm sure that information's out there. We can probably get it from Dworkin. That would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's nuts. So basically, I think it, what it boils down to is it wasn't just 11 days after the meeting, but six days prior to the meeting and, and on the day that uh, Don Jr. sent that email. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's when money started moving around. Yeah, very, very suspicious. 700000 400000 from Agalarov to to Kavala, say, through mm-hmm. eight thousand different <laughs> companies. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> wow, interesting. Well, thank you for that update. Of course, uh, it's amazing. We've gone from Trump has no financial ties to any Russian oligarchs mm-hmm. to proof via banking suspicious activity reports that all of his money, all this money, exchanged hands, and Trump supporters are just sort of fine with that. Yeah, they're moving this. The, 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 these are baby steps, like towards they're lubing the truth it's mm-hmm. going to get to the point where you're like so what he took my a bunch of money from Russians but it's crazy that's yeah, weird uh, before I get to the next segment guys I want to issue a trigger warning um, we could we could actually have an entire segment called trigger warning at this point <laughs> honestly there's that's so, so much harassment assault um, domestic violence and, and attempted rape in this administration and probably actual rape mm-hmm. that that it's I mean how why I don't even get it like I said a couple episodes ago, who the fuck are these people? Yeah, <laughs> the best
1: people, I guess. Yep,
2: they're the best. Uh, today, I want to talk about what happened with the negotiations this week between Katz. That's the lawyer for Christine Blasey Ford. That's the woman who came forward with attempted rape accusations against Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. That's Trump's Supreme Court nominee, embattled, if you will. And uh, Chuck Grassley, the Republican chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee. What a great guy. <laughs> Sunday, Dr. Ford came forward in an article. Uh, this is last Sunday, uh, not not yesterday, but The Sunday before, Mm -hmm. she came forward in an article published by the Washington Post saying, It's me, it happened, here I am. Uh, By midweek, the Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee said that if she wanted to testify, she'd have to do it in front of the committee at the same table as her accuser on the following Monday. And the White House told the FBI not to investigate, stand down, do not investigate, which is completely unprecedented. They always do. Uh, In the last two Supreme Court nominations, or uh, judge nominations that have had sexual assault allegations, the FBI has investigated. (laughs) Uh, Her lawyer responded saying she needed more time. Monday was not possible as Dr. Ford had to move out of her house with her two teenagers and her husband because of repeated and invasive death threats against her and her family. And they asked again for an investigation, which again, as I said, by precedent has always been afforded. The Senate said they could have... A conference call we'll have a conference call and then Dr. Ford came back and said that she wanted Feinstein on the call and her staff Grassley on the call and his staff and her lawyers to be present so they had that call Thursday night to discuss terms Dr. Ford wanted a judge that's Mark Judge the other witness he wanted she wanted him subpoenaed she wanted to bring her own witnesses who recall the account right and in, she wanted an investigation to be conducted and for Dr. Ford to testify after Judge Kavanaugh and not in the same room or at the same table They also wanted to ensure her safety. Those were their demands. After the call, Grassley said uh, they could have Wednesday uh, for her to testify instead of Monday, but they would subpoena no witnesses. They would not allow any of her witnesses, and they would conduct no investigation, and Dr. Ford had to testify first, not second. And they gave her until 10 a.m. the next morning. He then pushed the deadline to 5 p.m. the next next day, which was Friday, by the way, Mm -hmm. and then 10 p.m., and and then he said through the media that if they don't get back by 10 p.m., she's too bad, so sad. We're voting on Monday. F you, forget the whole thing. Wow. At 9:30, uh, Doctor Ford's lawyer. 9:30 p.m. Doctor Ford's lawyer sent the following letter to Chuck Grassley, and I'm gonna read you this letter because it's pretty epic. Uh, I I can't. I don't know. I I think you've probably heard it. If you're a, if you listen to us, you probably listen to Matto, But you're gonna. I'm gonna read it again. Dear Mrs. Wiley and Miss Davis, I'm writing in response to your emails from earlier today. I was stunned to see that the Judiciary Committee noticed Judge Kavanaugh's vote for Monday morning in the midst of our ongoing discussions regarding the terms and conditions under which Dr. Christine Blasey Ford could testify before the committee. Incredibly, you did so well before the 10 p.m. deadline you had arbitrarily imposed just hours before. The imposition of aggressive and artificial deadlines regarding the date and conditions of any hearing has created tremendous and unwarranted anxiety and stress on Dr. Ford. Your cavalier treatment of a sexual assault survivor who has been doing her best to cooperate with the committee is completely inappropriate. Yesterday, we had what I thought was a productive dialogue about the conditions Dr. Ford would find acceptable to be able to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee about her allegations of sexual assault involving Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Rather than continuing that dialogue, Senator Grassley today conveyed a counterproposal through the media insisting that she appear for a hearing on a date I had expressly told you was not feasible for her. Hours after those media accounts first appeared, you sent me a response to the proposals that we had conveyed in good faith yesterday. You rejected a number of the proposals that are important to Dr. Ford to ensure that the process would be fair, including subpoenaing Mark Judge to testify. Instead, you spent much of your email making points that distorted the requests we had made and the sequence of events. It would be fruitless to review each of those misstatements, as it's now abundantly clear that regardless of the assurances Senator Grassley has made, you have been tasked with pressuring Dr. Ford to agree to conditions you find advantageous to the nominee, and also with denying Democratic members of the Senate Judiciary any input about how this hearing would proceed. When I urged you to include them in our discussions today, you rejected my request outright, accusing them of being the source of leaks. Even more disturbing, while you took almost a full day to consider our proposal, you demanded a 5 p.m. response to your proposal this evening. My email, sent today at 4.01 p.m., I advised you that Dr. Ford had traveled to meet with the FBI for several hours about the death threats she had been receiving, and we would need until tomorrow to confer with her and be able to provide you with a well-considered response. Rather than allowing her the time she needs to respond, you—sorry—rather uh, than allowing her the time she needs to respond to take it to your take-it-or-leave-it demand, you conveyed, you send us an email at 5:47 p.m., which you again gave to the media first insisting that we accept your invitation for a Wednesday hearing by 10 p.m. tonight. I now have learned that Senator Grassley has scheduled the committee's vote for this Monday. The 10 p.m. deadline is arbitrary. Its sole purpose is to bully Dr. Ford and deprive her of the ability to make a considered decision that has life-altering implications for her and her family. She has already been forced out of her home and continues to be subjected to harassment, hate mail, and death threats. Our modest request is that she be given an additional day to make her decision. Sincerely, Deborah Katz. Wow. So they asked for a day. So it's interesting. But then at 11 p.m., she sent that at 930. At 11 p.m., Grassley granted her another day, but not a full day. He only gave her till 2.30 today or Saturday. I should say this episode comes out Monday. We record Saturday and he gave her till 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Saturday. And since we record before that deadline, we will have to include that response in next week's show. So that's the timeline of events, and I wanted to bring on someone I thought could speak to this week's Senate Judiciary shenanigans. Again, I want to issue a trigger warning because Rosie O'Donnell and I will be telling each other our Me Too stories. So we have a very special guest today to share her thoughts on this week's news. She's been in a ton of my favorite movies, including Sleepless in Seattle and A League of Their Own, my favorites. She's an actor, she's a comedian, she's an activist, a philanthropist, and an author. Please welcome Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie, welcome to Mueller She Wrote. Thanks. Thanks for having me. We really appreciate you being here. So, first of all, uh, our podcast focuses mainly on the Mueller investigation. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Trump's nomination of Judge Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court, not just as it relates to the Mueller investigation, but how it's playing out since Dr. Blasey Ford came forward with her attempted rape allegation back in 1983. Uh, with uh, Judge Kavanaugh as as the attacker. And Trump has mostly been silent on this matter this week. His handlers were sort of keeping him at bay until just this morning when he tweeted out that uh, called her out by name and said that if her experience was as bad as she says, that she, she should have reported it immediately or her loving parents should have reported it immediately or reported it immediately with law enforcement. And now he's demanding that report. Um, What are your initial thoughts on him abandoning his previously more measured tone and going
0: just directly after her? Well, that's more typical than how he was behaving for the last few days. I mean, I was stunned the first time I saw him saying, well, we need to hear from her and we need to hear from and it needs to be fair and we want everyone to be happy. And I'm like, who is this? Some zombie, you know, uh, infiltrated his body and it's not him. But. This is the true man, the one who attacks the victim today, the one who, you know, is a misogynist beyond definition of that word. He he brings it to a whole other category. And the only thing he would know about girls being uh, raped or molested would be him in the Kavanaugh role. So I don't think he's somebody who has empathy, compassion, depth, understanding, basic human traits to, to relate. To any woman as, as an equal, as a human or someone demanding um, decency and dignity and, and respect. So he's a flawed, flawed human being with some pretty serious mental health issues that the country has chosen to ignore or, or uh, you know, forget uh, no matter how often he exhibits the signs.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you 100 percent. And he, I mean, he's he's got 12 plus uh, credible Uh, accusers of his own so that's kind of where he's drawing his experience from is is not only deflecting those accusations but paying people off doing catch and kill stories with his buddy david pecker at ami and the inquirer and that's just kind of his background and his knowledge of this kind of um situation comes from himself being uh, um a sexual assaulter
0: exactly being the predator. And that's who he is, and that's what he is, and that's what he's always been. How many billionaires do you know that own modeling agencies? (laughs) Not very many. And the reason that he owned that modeling agency, I think, has still yet to be determined. What was the true reason for the Donald Trump modeling agency, and what happened to those women who were there? What happened to all those parties where allegedly Jeff Epstein and he were snorting coke off of young underage girls' butts? What happened to all of those facts that we conveniently leave out of the frame? And mainstream media has been doing this with Donald Trump since he decided to run. When he came down that escalator, they didn't. So here comes a man with four bankruptcies who's been accused 10 times of sexual abuse. He is now calling Mexicans rapists. Every time that he does one of his hate filled rallies, they don't frame it. They just go, here he is. And it's a locked frame of 20 people behind him looking strange and and onerous and and then him giving his absurdly ineloquent hate speech and everyone going crazy. Well, if the mainstream media led that story off with the facts, here we are in Detroit. It was supposed to be an outdoor venue, but there were not enough people. They moved it into a high school gymnasium. The camera is now locked off. There are 240 people here. Half of them have been paid. And here's what our hate-filled borderline personality disorder president is about to say. Then Everybody, when they ingest the hatred, they have to ingest the frame in which it lives. And that's what's missing, I think, with the whole Donald Trump false equivalence from the beginning.
2: Yeah, you're right. The context is just completely missing um, from that. And and it's it's important that everybody see him through that through that frame. And uh, and also also when
0: Obama spoke the other day, Obama spoke, they were quick to say how many people were there. How many people were at the event? And like, there are all these statistics that were up for when Obama spoke. And when Trump speaks, there's none. Yeah, I don't know how he gets away with that. I don't either. But he's been doing it his whole life. And it's, it's no wonder that somebody with this many crosshairs on him in terms of his legal jeopardy, that he would still feel omnipotent. You could tell by you know that's how you know the level of his mental illness that he doesn't even seem to have an awareness of how much trouble he's in yeah I know that's true and this tweet coming out this
2: morning is it can be really triggering for a lot of women around the country because not reporting your um, assault or your attempted rape is very common um, especially if you're 15 and it's it's really yeah did you
0: now how old are you I'm 44 okay I'm 56 I had an incident like this, not involving me, but involving another girl in high school, and it was the football players. And I know all their names, and I see all their faces, and I see them on Facebook, and I know a couple of them are lawyers. And, but all these boys got called down to the principal's office because of what happened with one girl on the football field where there was liquor involved and 10 football players from the varsity team and a seventh grader. And I remember that story vividly. And if she ever wanted to press charges against those boys, I would be able to testify and say, oh, I remember what was going on in the school. All the boys were taken and they would call her a whore and she would have her books very close to her chest, her head down as she walked through the hallways. Every high school has a story like this. And 15-year-old girls are not able emotionally, intellectually to process that kind of trauma, never mind from an upperclassman. Never mind from an upperclassman, rich, preppy kid who goes to the high where the chosen few um, prep school, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of layers in- involved in this. I don't know what school this, the accuser went to. I don't know, you know, the, the setup of the neighborhood. But I guarantee there are people from both of the high schools where the boys went to the prep school and where she went that had heard that this occurred. Yeah, it's- this is not a very uncommon thing.
2: No, and and for me, I was 21 in and in the military, and when I tried to report, I was told that I would for if I filed a false report, I'd be kicked out. I'd be charged with adultery because my attacker was married. Uh, I would uh, lose my rank, lose my rate. Uh, I could be dishonorably discharged, lose my signing bonus, lose my benefits, and and it's not just that traumatization, but years later when I, you know, because of. Um, complications with PTS, and I tried to file a claim with the VA, they pulled a Donald Trump, they said, you don't have any reports, you didn't report it. Um, and so therefore, it didn't happen. And uh, eventually, it went through, I got some help with uh, retired Brigadier General Allison Hickey, who had seen me in a movie called The Invisible War. And and she got me my exam. And, and they eventually, at least you know, admitted what happened. And, and I got my claim uh, adjudicated. But, you know, not everybody gets to
0: be in a movie. So there's 1000s and 1000s of other right, women. Exactly. Who but you you spoke for so many in that movie, That was a riveting documentary. And right as my son was considering becoming a Marine, which he now is, I made him sit down and watch that documentary with me after I saw it, you know, to to let him know a little bit of the culture that he was, he was entering into. And if, if anything else to be a watchman and, and, and the protector, you know, but to know going in that this is what's happening, you know. I mean, they don't tell kids signing up. They don't, nobody mentioned that to him when he was at the Marine recruiting station. Oh, by the way, the sexual assault cases in the armed forces are extraordinarily high, higher than the percentage anywhere. No one tells anyone that. No one, the same way no one told all the truths about Trump that were so easy to find. They were easy to find in 2006 when I said them on The View, and he went crazy. He went crazy. Because I dare to say the truth, I, a woman, a gay woman, a gay woman who doesn't ascribe to his ideals of what a woman should be, was daring to call him on his shit. Well, everything I said was true. He said he was going to sue me, but he didn't sue me because you can't sue someone for telling the truth. That's correct. And then what he did was <laughs> right, and then what he did was abuse and insult me. Say I was fat, that I was gay, that I was a degenerate, that I was low class, that I was, he tried to change the narrative that America has of me in my life and career uh, into something that fits his narrative, the way he does to everyone we see now, right? The way he does to Comey and he does to, uh, to leaders of, of to J- Justin Trudeau of all people. I mean, he does it to everyone, to LeBron James. He tries to change the public narrative and he has a bully pulpit. And with the media before the state not doing their job of holding up their end of questioning and checking him, he's run up. He's like a little two-year-old having a tantrum. And as the mother of five, I find it very, um, very hard to watch. It's like he's a baby having a tantrum, you know. And I, too, was sexually abused as a child. It was, um, you know, the, the abuser was the one who, who was supposed to take care of me. I was a child. He was the adult. And, and so, you know, then you have that situation and, and, and so many children who were abused, I think, are re-traumatized by Donald Trump being the president. Here's a guy who has pretty much admitted that he's a sexual abuser and he's still walking around as if he's untouchable. And so far he has been that there are that many women with that many complaints and he's president of the United States of America.
2: Yeah, and I have to tell you, I feel... I feel really bad for all the uh, veterans, not just females, but males too, that have experienced sexual assault, having to walk in the VA. And his photo is right there, really big at the entrance. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's awful. It's horrible. Um, I
0: agree with you. And it's I'm- traumatizing is what it is. It, it re-traumatizes people. If you, come from a house where the father is abusive and is in control and is telling you that, you know, there's nothing you can do to get away from me. That's sort of what parents do when they have a, you know, a sick kind of untreated mental health problem. And, and that's, that's what happens. Where do you go when you're a kid who needs a ride to the police station to tell on the person in the house who's abusing you? It's, it's so complicated and, and he is so, uh, dumb. Like he's one of the stupidest people you ever hear speak. You know, like I can't even comprehend the fact that he can put a sentence together. Like there's a lot of rain in regards to the water. <laughs>
3: yeah. What?
0: Like, you know, I mean, honestly, I have a five and a half year old and she speaks better than he does. It's it's embarrassing. And, and I heard George Bush recently speaking and I was like, God, remember when I was saying to myself how dumb he is and how stupid but he sounded like a Nobel laureate. Yeah. Compared to Trump, what we're used to, you know, he actually conjugated verbs and had multiple syllables in some of them. Like it was it was really shocking how low we has gone with this guy at the helm. And um, I can't wait till the last indictments come and that'll be his family. And then I think we're going to see, sadly, him throw his own kids under the bus and maybe then America will wake up. Yeah, and
2: he already kind of did when he said that he dictated that uh, Don Jr., response to the press on Air Force One. But yeah, you're right. It's just it's it's really weird when you're wistfully reminiscent about Bush.
0: Yes. And you look at and I looked at him and I actually had a moment of, oh, there he is. Like, we're going to be okay. And I thought him. He's the one who's providing me with solace now. But yes, he is. And this madness, this mayhem, this insanity, this is not America. And we are really on the precipice of disaster. November 6th, if we don't vote, we're going to lose it and uh, lose democracy. And that's going to be it. And the world will be forever changed, you know. So I'm a little concerned that nothing has been done since 2016 when they obviously changed some votes in there as well. So I am wondered if the cockiness and the optimism that all of these Republicans seem to feel in light of such damning evidence in polls that say there'll be a blue tsunami that they're still sort of walking around half cocked, you know, I'm like, and what is that about? Because they know the fix is in, nothing's been done since 2016. Nothing's been done with evidence and all of these ballot polling places about the, you know, two extra votes per per precinct. You know, that's not that hard to do computer wise. And um, I don't know, I, I I just feel like the fix is in. It hasn't been changed. No, nothing has been done. It's not like the day after he got elected, he said, well, this is insane. Now let's get on Russia. Russia is not going to ever put a president in or d- decide who they want. Let's put an investigation. No, we didn't do that because he knew he would be telling on himself. Uh, yeah, and he, you know, couldn't, and he and, would also lose those fake votes. <laughs> exactly. He would lose everything. I, and, and I'm hoping, and everyone says, you know, you shouldn't say this. This isn't the party line. I'm like, I'm not really in a party. I'm just a person trying to get through this insanity. And I think everything, if it's proven that Russia did help get him in, and he is an illegitimate president in every capacity, every single executive order and every single appointment he's made has to be reversed. And everyone's like, well, that's impossible. You can't get uh, Garland put on the Supreme Court. Well, no, maybe I can't get him put on or we can't, but maybe we can get Gorsuch removed. And we can, you know, hopefully Kavanaugh will not go through. That's what I'm you know, spending my nights thinking that goodness will prevail and and, um, this man will not be put through, a man who was not even on his list of potential Supreme Court nominees until the Mueller investigation.
2: That's exactly right. You know, then...
0: That's right. So, yeah. th- you know, th- th- he's such a blatantly bad criminal. If this were a movie, you know, you would be like, oh, God, give me a break. All <laughs> this evidence and the guy's still in there. This is the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. And until Mueller drops those last indictments, um, we're all waiting on pins and needles.
2: Yeah, it's like the, the world's dumbest criminals where they p- put the paper bag over their head but forget to cut out eye holes. And, uh, you know, exactly run, 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 run shot all over the store. That's what
0: it's like, It's like the stupidest people running the country and they don't know how to get away with with any. He can't even keep his shit together for one week. They told him, don't fuck this up. OK, you've got like 20 women who were accusing you of doing this to them. Do not say anything about that woman. Just keep your mouth shut. And he couldn't even do it for a week.
2: No, he, he has no self-control. He has no
0: self-control is no discipline. Let me ask you.
2: Let me ask you about this. Recently, uh, Senators Blumenthal, Leahy and Doug Jones, they wrote this letter to Don McGahn, the White House counsel, who's seemingly cooperating with uh, with prosecutors um, 30 hours or something of testimony. They asked him specifically if they if he or they or the White House knew about these allegations before they became public and had that letter of 65 women all prepared because they put that together in like 36 hours, presumably. But uh, and then also that that in combination with Kavanaugh parading out this gaggle of 15 year old girls that he coaches during his hearing, it just seems to me like they were expecting this to come out. Does he? does it seem to you like that?
0: Yes, it does. Yeah, it seems like they knew it, they were prepared, but they were going anyway and it's only one reason because you know, this is the guy who's going to let Trump get out of jail free for everything he did and he's pretty much said so. And yeah, so that's, right. that's the guy that Trump needs to be. If he loses this, he's he knows he's going to jail, he's doomed. He knows he's not going to get another one to to a point before he gets, you know, the before what 50 days away until we have the election and You know, I I think we're going to take the House, even though I'm a registered independent. I'm no longer a Democrat. I haven't been one since the um, Iraq war. But um, I think we, meaning sound minded people, will take back the House. And and I, you know, I'm hopeful for the Senate, but I, you know, I'm sure I think about the House and that people are going to show up. You have to believe in America and, and why and who and what we are and what we stood for for 200 years and not just focus myopically on this one anomaly. This he, he is not the norm. He is not status quo. He is the cancer that he was talking about. He was cutting out the cancer of the FBI. Well, the cancer is him. It is him. Yeah. And everyone around him and everyone that, you know, and and there was a time, mind you, you know, 16 or 18 months ago where I had mild compassion for the children because I thought, imagine growing up under his tutelage, even though he supposedly was never there and it was the housekeepers and the the, the wives that took care of the children and he had very little to do with their upbringing apparently. But imagine being raped by that man, the man who has the power to sort of corrupt and uh, confuse and trick an entire audience. What What kind of mental health State or his children in to be raised by him, to see yeah. him sort of get away with such criminal, violent acts. All like you know, I don't know. It, 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 they must be tortured as well.
2: Yeah, I. But you know,
0: well, I, I hope they work it out with the prison psychiatrist. So I'm not really. Uh,
2: oh, they're going to jail for yeah.
0: sure. I know. I can't wait. Believe me, I'm going I'm the biggest party. <laughs>
2: um, and and here's another thing too. They've they've they're demanding that um. Kavanaugh, they've specifically uh, asked for outside an outside lawyer, uh, presumably a woman, to come in and question Dr. Blasey Ford. And that seems to me that for two reasons, first of all, there's no women on the GOP side of the Senate judiciary. And, and also, I don't think any of them want to go up you know, and grill a sexual assault survivor or attempted sexual assault survivor so close to an election. The optics of that have to be horrible. So they're, they're chickening out and, and hiring a female.
0: Yeah, that's one thing and they don't want to pull the tapes of Hatch and Grassley attacking Anita Hill and Joe Biden himself wasn't exactly you know, today he sort of said, Oh, I knew in ninety one, I haven't learned now, I knew. Well you didn't act like you knew. Right. <laughs> Nobody did. He would have had to be, you know, twenty years ahead of of the where the culture is, you know. I mean, it's interesting to see these people going down that you never thought would go down, like Harvey Weinstein and Les Moonbez and these sort of titans of television, which is my industry, right? Everybody has it in their own industry. You see these people fall that you think never really could. And um,
2: yeah, we have it in comedy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, it's so funny because I've been out of comedy stand up uh, long enough to not know the players in this. You know, people were asking me, what do you think of Louis C.K.? I've never met him. You know, I don't know him. I didn't work clubs with him. But there was a stand-up comic that I worked many clubs with named Vince Champ, who was um, in jail for serial rape. And the way they found it out was all his bookings co- coincided with all where the college rapes were. And so I was in a comedy condo with this guy many, many times, you know. The
2: comedy store condo?
0: No, just around around the country when I did stand-up all over the country. Um, right. I, you know, he was the middle act and I would be the opener. So we'd be in like, you know, just for laughs in Utah or something or the improv in, you know, in Arizona, someplace like that. But um, yeah, that's that's really interesting what happened within the comedy world. And then I, I hear that Louis C.K. went and did stand up and just didn't mention anything.
2: Yeah, he just came back like nothing happened. Yeah, like it was another Thursday. And and, and they they're allowed to do that. Yeah. And
0: that's what Trump's been allowed to get away with, too. We're just not going to talk about the illegal, horrible, corrupt things that I've done. And we're going to pretend like it didn't happen going on my merry way. And, you know, thankfully for the Me Too and for the women who were brave enough to stand up and speak out, people are being held accountable, at least minimally. And we have to start at minimally because we were at zero for so long.
2: Well, I really appreciate you coming on today and talking to me about this. And, and thanks for sharing your stories. Um, everybody, you can catch Rosie on uh, the season two premiere of Smilf in January on Showtime, or you can go see her with Randy Rainbow this, or uh, what, when is it, Saturday, October 6th at the Paramount of Huntington on Long Island? Yes, where I grew up, my hometown. I'm going to awesome. go open for Randy Rainbow. I can't wait. I love Randy Rainbow. Rosie, thanks so much for coming on Mueller, she wrote. Thank you. I want everyone to know that we're here for you if you want to talk. Send us your stories on Twitter at MullerSheWrote. And thanks to everyone for all your support about my story that I shared on Twitter. If there's one silver lining to all this, it's that we've found each other. That and an unintended byproduct of holding women down has made us resilient, resourceful, and tenacious, and we are ready to lead. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Mueller. She wrote the she in Mueller. She wrote is no accident. Did you know we are 100% women owned and operated? Every single person that helps make this podcast possible identifies as a woman, our creative and web design, our engineer and producers, our editors and digital media manager, our agent, our ad execs, our merchandising manager, and even the postal service clerk that helps me with shipping in our P.O. box, all women and all LGBTQ plus allies we will continue to employ and partner with women as our podcast grows but we could use your help please support women in podcasting by visiting mullersherote.com and become a patron today all right are you ready for the fantasy indictment league yeah All right, this week has been full up with news about the Cavanazzi, but we cannot forget about Cohen cooperating and Manafort is now also cooperating. So I'm sticking with my team this week. That's Kushner, Kushner, dad and son, Stone, mm-hmm. Junior and Ivanka.
1: Julissa, who you got? I got a Junior, Kushner, Cohen. Um, ooh. I think you had Butina last time. I did. And then I had a rando.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there we go. You're going to stick with that? I'm going to stick with it. All right, cool. Uh, If you want to play in the league, become a patron, then head to the Friends of Justice page on Facebook and look for the pinned announcement. That's where you'll reply with your five picks. This is not gambling. (laughs)
3: Um,
2: I think there's one week left to lock in at a dollar, a dollar a month to become a patron and you get to keep that rate even though we're going to raise them on October 1st so check that out I get a lot of folks asking where to get the show notes my personal show notes those come in the weekly newsletter that that Jordan creates it's a really amazing newsletter with Mm -hmm. infographics links to all the articles in my show notes and it's sent out um, when you to, to the email you sign up with when you sign up for Patreon it comes out Thursday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time check your junk if you're not getting yeah. it not your junk but your promotions
1: junk. on email or social they have weird tabs now Gmail's weird yeah so check yeah. your junk <laughs> <laughs> alright it's time for sabotage <sighs>
2: Big last minute news this week as we have just learned that Katie McFarland, that's Trump's former deputy national security advisor, number two to Michael Flynn, who is now serving, well, was serving as the U.S. ambassador to Singapore, has revised her statement to investigators saying that Flynn was talking about sanctions when he spoke to Kislyak in December 2016 <laughs> and did tell her about it. This change came after Michael Flynn began cooperating. So basically, in the summer of 2017, KT McFarlane had denied ever talking to Flynn about any talks about sanctions during the transition. Didn't happen. Uh, then Mueller brought her back after Flynn gave his proffer and said, you want to tell me again? If she, if you discuss sanctions, you want to tell me one more time? You want to be careful about your answer this time? I'm Bob Mueller. You want to fucking tell me what happened? Uh, I got. It must be so cool to be him. Oh, definitely. Like, you care to revise your bullshit story? <laughs> uh, at which point she walked back her previous lie. And it's a lie. I'm not mainstream media. I'm not going to call it a misled or it's a
1: lie yeah they gave it such weird words they're so afraid of the lie word people
2: familiar with the matter say that mcfarland was able to convince the fbi that she had not intentionally misled them uh, but mcfarland had said her memory was clear about the two never having discussed sanctions she gave very specific details when she lied to the fbi very specific lies uh, the events, the event that mostly she lied about was the call Flynn made to Kislyak telling him to stand down and not respond to U.S. sanctions placed by Obama. Like, don't worry, we got your back, bro. Don't respond. And then Russia didn't respond and Trump was like, very smart, Putin. Very smart for not responding. So, like, he didn't know. Uh, but uh, in in this testimony that we have, there's no direct evidence that McFarland, even though she's walking back her story, uh, informed Trump or anyone else. This is just kind of her walking back her lie And her lie uh, matched uh, public statements from Sean Spicer, who insisted Flynn and Kislyak spoke before sanctions were put in place. So all that being said, you want to change your indictment? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Because I'm thinking like I was going to add McFarlane until I read the reporting said that the FBI and the Mueller investigation was kind of okay with her walking it back. But she
1: lied yeah yeah all right okay so this is this is hot i'm gonna throw her in instead of my rando all right that's a good one yeah i'm gonna keep her out i think
2: she, i don't think she's a target Really. I, yeah I what th-
1: about um a plea deal
2: yeah she could do a plea deal do you want to yeah. do a plea deal that's, i'm going for a plea deal yeah a kt mcfarland plea deal yeah <laughs> all right well, yep yeah, that's your right
1: because a rando rando would be nice but like she seems likely i think
2: yeah, and she, she's five points, too. Yeah. So, actually, yeah. No, she's a cabinet member. I think they get even more points. Mm,
1: and she's she, scorned, you
2: know. She, or not a cabinet member. She's deputy. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'll I'll find out exactly what what she's worth.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, that sounds horrible. We're pricing humans. You know, what the points. thing is, it
1: makes me think about Orange is the New Black this season when they have the uh, the inmates on an inmate indictment or not inmate indictment league. It's an inmate in a fantasy league and yeah. they're just like fight making them fight each other and they're doing points for like murder oh. and things. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I haven't seen the new season. yet. Right. So, I, I mean, this is um, us just not betting. But like these people. OK, this is we got to do a mini soda on like the I guess um, the good nature of our fantasy league. Because yeah. we're not doing anything to them. We're not we're not making them make, make commit these crimes, you know. No, this is, uh,
2: just, this is a, just like an office pool. Yeah.
1: Um <laughs> people get hurt in the NFL all the time. Uh
2: it's and true. these people are effing criminals and f them in the A with a D. So yes, that's what but, it all okay. comes down to. This so. is they all you know conspired to steal an election and f up our lives
1: so right right i don't okay. i don't want them, them murdered or anything i just want them to go to jail
2: no i don't wish physical harm on them mm-hmm. i just want them i just want justice the actual justice that comes with being found guilty and going to jail or exactly serving your time or cooperating or
1: most civilians however it works yeah it happens it happens to us you know we're not above the law I, this is crazy
2: they should not be either
1: all right time for q a no song Oh man, we, we have so many suggestions too. People are like, hey, do, do we, this one, do that one. Really? We maybe yeah. pick one. Maybe stick it in. We could, you know what? If our fans are musicians, we could be like, make a song and we'll showcase it or something. That, that sounds cool. like
2: yeah, maybe yeah. that's a good idea. Get something a. funky. I yeah. used to use Mailbag Day from uh oh. from Cartoon Planet. <laughs> but uh We'll figure something out. Mail is Yeah, it's evolved. Uh, (laughs) All right. At Big Politics Nerd asked if Toad from Mario will sue for defamation. I don't think so. Um, He should, but uh, not at this point. At Skavchok, uh, S-K-A-V-C-H-O-K, wants to know if the Democrats have the authority to investigate Kavanaugh if they win either both Senate or House, and if the investigation concluded with... Let's say lying under oath, can his appointment be recalled, or can he be impeached? What's the process for impeachment? Mm. Yes, it's been said uh, by at least Sheldon Whitehouse, um, not the <laughs> White House, but the Democratic <laughs> senator named Whitehouse. That'd um, be funny if he ran for president. It would be, um, <laughs> Mr. Whitehouse in the White House. Yeah, <laughs> um, he has said, "Yeah, we're going to do that. We're, we're going to get the gavels." He said they call it that. We're getting the gavels, and we're going to investigate this. Um, And here's the thing. If the investigation is concluded, uh, first of all, it's hard for it's harder for the bicameral House and Senate to they they don't do criminal investigations. They do investigations for public purposes. Then they make criminal referrals to the Department of Justice. If the Department of Justice is still being run by Trump and a Trump lackey. They could suppress those requests and not follow up on them um so there's that we have to worry about and then yes you can impeach a judge but impeachment is hard you need two-thirds of the senate we aren't going to have anything close to that um and you can't just recall an appointment of a judge uh you have to actually criminally investigate him however i do believe that the fbi and the doj if it was found that there were criminal there was enough evidence to do a criminal investigation into him that they would do that uh and he could step down he could resign as Mm -hmm.
1: justice that's the pressure yeah that's feasible. Um, we got to keep the pressure on pretty much after the midterms. Like, yeah. Even if we flip it, which would be incredible. Um, not a guarantee. Yeah. And we can't let up. You're right. We yeah. have to keep doing it. We And uh, all of this week, you
2: guys have to keep calling Murkowski and Collins and Sass and all the people that you would normally call to say, just vote no. We still have to try to get them to vote no. Mm-hmm. Because McConnell has said, we're going
1: to we're going to plow through this. We're going to cram it through. He said that. Yeah. Um, now I have a question um, yeah we could call too right like we're not in these states but like is that something that people do is they call from other states and they're like hey I'm a concerned American citizen and yeah. I think you okay because I'm, I'm gonna do that sometimes I they don't yet. take the messages or they don't listen but it's, it's worth it, a try right yeah it's worth yeah, jamming up yeah. their phones
2: tweet at them everything so, yeah. sweet everybody please yes all right let's see at LC piano wants to know if she has her timeline correct first of all the GOP knew about dr. blazey ford in july kavanaugh fessed up ed wheelan hired a pr firm to discredit her after he snooped at her LinkedIn in account then she contacted the fbi because she saw she'd been snooped is that correct so let me talk talk to you about who ed wheelan is he's this asshole <laughs> who has been trying to set up this um Disinformation campaign saying that it wasn't Kavanaugh. She was probably assaulted, but it is probably someone who looks just like him. Wow! And she responded saying, "Nope, I know that guy. I know them both. It's neither. It's not him. It's definitely him. I knew them both. I socialized with them both. I would not mix them up. But thanks mm-hmm. for that
1: mm-hmm. shit." Yeah.
2: And uh, and then he immediately apologized and walked back. Ed Whelan did. He walked us all back because he named the other guy in a tw- in a in a Twitter thread. Yeah. So he's got mud all over his face now. You know, most assaults happen with someone, you know, too, like the victim. Of know, course. Said, yeah, yeah. But So he had hired a PR firm uh, back in July. This is the um, theory. Because they had the documents in July. They knew about it in July. That's why Senators Blumenthal, Leahy, and Doug Jones wrote a letter saying, when did you know about this, McGann? And when did you start preparing that letter of 65 people? Mm-hmm. And me asking, why did you parade a bunch of 15-year-old girls around into your into your hearing?
1: Yeah.
2: If That you... was weird before we knew what happened. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Uh, and we yeah, we we brought that up too. like what? That's the weirdest, creepiest thing to parade a bunch of little girls out and for your hearing. Um, and so then he hired this PR firm to discredit her back in July. And he went in and looked at her LinkedIn account. And because she has the kind of LinkedIn subscription. She's really into it, I guess. Yeah. That notifies you when people look at your account. Interesting. Yeah. And it said he went in before her, she went public with this. Information, so they knew ahead of time. They were so I'm around. really interested to see how McGann. Oh, totally. Uh, <clears throat> responds to that. Who did you know? What did you know? What you know? When did you know it? Mm-hmm. Um, because if this has been a setup and a discreditation effort since July, mm, that's interesting. That is very interesting. And what other are there? Any other allegations he has to worry about? That's also interesting. Yeah, I don't want to see this investigation just go away. It seems
1: <laughs> like there's a lot going on.
2: Um, At Nuance Unites asked, how do we open a dialogue on issues like sexual assault when we as men do not necessarily know what women have experienced but are trying to be part of the solution? I often see them met with, quote, you can't understand or lumped in as part of the problem. Um, How do you start a dialogue? I think you just did. Yeah. Um, Damn. Nailed it. I think think if you want to – I think probably, at least for me, and I can only speak for me, a good way to look at this is kind of a common – thing that happens when couples argue is when I wanna tell you about something and you wanna to try to fix it and 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 tell me what I could have done better or should have done better or how to fix it, let me do this, let me do that, when all we really want you to do is listen.
1: Yeah, at least just at first listen. And, and I, I get the intentions and want to have a solution. Some people are like, well, what do you want from this? Like, well, here's I, I, the
2: solution. Don't tell
1: us what the solution is. The solution is go police your fucking fellow dudes. Yes, exactly. It usually comes down to that. They're like, what do you want me to do? I'm like, well, I want, uh, you can't change what has happened to people, but we can say don't do it anymore. And also you yourself don't do it. If you're not a part of the problem, keep not being a part of the problem. And there then you call go. Call out other people. That call it out, problem. Yeah,
2: um, call it out when you see it. Uh, put the blame on the uh, assaulters. And of course, this doesn't just apply to women that you know that are victims. Men are victims too. Absolutely. Uh, but, and, and, but but, but know, for the most part, binary. Yeah. For the most part, ten times more women um, experience assault. Totally. Yeah. Um, and so, if you're a man and you, I would just recommend listening, saying that sucks, um, lending emotional support, and and then. Not trying to have a solution for the woman, but go out and s- solve it for the dudes that are doing it. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Because when you try to uh, tell a woman what the solution is, you're you're trying to tell the victim what to do. Non-victim's plan. We shouldn't have to do anything differently to not be raped. Mm-hmm. It, it should go or it tried or attempted or whatever. It oh, should, yeah. It should go on the... A- it should go mm-hmm. on the perpetrator. So yeah, that yeah. would be my recommendation. But sure. you did a good job opening up the dialogue right there. I think that that tweet got a lot of really positive responses from women saying, Thank you for asking. No one's ever asked us before. Yeah. They've just kind of inserted themselves, no pun intended, and, mm-hmm. and tried to say what they think the solution is. Right. And that's probably not the best way to go about it. At Lube the Truth says, <laughs> Given what we know about Dana Rerber.
0: Horror. I'm sorry.
1: That's all right. A lot of people mispronounce it, but it sounds just the way it's spelled. H-F-U-H-R-U-H-U-R-R.
2: off Haha, <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, given what we know about Rohrabacher, uh, I don't know much about his opponent, Harley Ruda. Rauda. It would be interesting to hear a summary. Uh, honestly, all you need to know about him is that he's running against Rohrabacher. <laughs> uh, that's it. Yeah, that's the whole platform uh, right there. But I'm not reals, for, yeah, for real. I, I know Democrats are like, we have to run for something, not against something. Good I think point. that's bullshit, run against these assholes. Yeah. But for reals, he's a lot like Beto, okay? Mm-hmm. He wants universal pre-K, gun reform specifically to ban the boyfriend loophole, preventing abusers from being able to buy guns, mm-hmm. and to ban assault-style weapons and high-capacity magazines. Yeah, uh, He's for Medicare for All. He wants to get money out of politics, and he's super pro-environment. So Yeah,
1: you know, I don't like... Th- I'm, I'm starting to kind of um, get into the whole... Um, we should stop trying to be so nice because I feel like even as an individual I have this problem. It's like you can have good intentions, and the whole idea is that I'm referring to. You just mentioned um, we can't just be against something; we have to be for something. I think we can be both and yeah. be on the right side of things, right? And,
2: and mad yeah, you can be against Nazis. Yeah, and that's yeah, being like, for. I figured a lot the of great thing—the people trying to run against the Nazis weren't like we can't just be against the Nazis. <laughs> we got to be for something, you guys. Exactly. Yeah, um, it's to that level. Mm-hmm. We're we're at, we're on step seven of the ten steps to. Yeah. Um, to an autocracy Look, we're
1: playing nice has got us with nazis right you know, like and, let's take a stance
2: and yeah. maddo said uh, i think one of her quotes this week and this is just off the top of my head so forgive me i know you listen rachel so forgive me if i'm wrong but you were like oh and now actually the quote has completely left my mind what
1: were we just talking about <laughs> nazis <laughs> <laughs>
2: nazis and running for and against something oh yeah. she goes well what where do we draw the line between taking the high road and being a patsy exactly being a
1: doormat an enabler yeah you know? not yeah. an
2: enable not even i wouldn't go enable. just a doormat just a doormat a good,
1: yeah yeah i work for it i feel like um it's at this point it's like they said with socialism they're making it seem like that's so far left but what if it's just that like that's where we are like with a lot of issues liberally and and we're being we're trying to get the politicians to move a little closer well,
2: like, yeah and we we're, we're pretty good at doing that pushing people to the left but also yeah. i lesson 1 is socialism does not mean no capitalism exactly um and and so stop that like i've i've seen serious questions like serious guys no homo. Uh, I don't know why they say that. But, uh, <laughs> why? Uh, why would you want socialism and not capitalism? I'm like, it's not mutually exclusive. One or right? the other. Yeah. Right? It's not mutually exclusive. Democratic
1: socialists want capitalism. I, we, I love. I like the idea of being able to make money. I just don't like the money in politics and things like yeah, that. We don't want the kind of socialism that's happening in Venezuela
2: or Cuba or exactly. Uh, you know, we don't. That's not what that's we're not talking balanced. about. Right. We're talking about. Uh, not giving tax breaks to individual rich dudes mm-hmm. and putting that back in the system so that we can all have programs like social security, which we've had forever, by the way.
1: Yeah, for, uh, healthcare for all. I mean, these are these are things that are. It seems like they Medicare.
2: Would, yeah. Um, uh,
1: you know, college education for everyone. You know, like yeah, I, this is crazy that this become issues that make you seem like you're a a terrorist to some people. Like I have hear people say like, "Oh, you're a commie." I'm like, uh,
2: No, man, crazy. I don't want to take the common man's money. I want to give tax breaks to the common man. Yes. I want to tax the wealthy because they're sitting on zillions of effing dollars. Exactly, And use that for the betterment of the country. Absolutely. Anyway, we get a whole other show yeah, about yeah, that.
1: That's true. <laughs> uh,
2: at Good Little Tiger wants to know what we think happened in May 2017 when Snoop Dagg Rosenstein wrote the letter regarding Comey. Uh, she thinks uh, I can't, I don't know if Good Little Tiger, how they identify. They think he was duped by Trumpy in some way and was caught out. Uh, they do not believe he knew that Comey the Comey memo would be used to fire him. I, I agree 100%. I think he wrote the memo because that's how he felt about what happened with the Comey and how Comey handled the Hillary email um, investigation by coming out and reopening it and then closing it and not coordinating with the Attorney General, Deputy Attorney General at the time uh, acting kind of rogue, being a tall roguey guy. Um, so Rosenstein wrote that memo and he was not he, com- he was completely caught unawares that Trump was going to use it as a reason to fire Comey. Right. And then he blew his whole effing cover by going on Lester Holt and saying, Russia was on my mind. <laughs> uh, Idiot. Um, yeah, he is. At Nashaz 12 wants to know if Comey was a better kisser than my husband. Oh. Um,
1: he was tall. We um, should ask Trump that infamous picture of them. They <laughs> did <laughs> kiss. They were kissies. Uh,
2: basically what's happening is I had to dream... <laughs> Oh, that's right. <laughs> I yeah, made out with Komi. I forgot about that. <laughs> and he was wearing a plaid blazer and those giant shoes that he has. Ooh. That's nice.
1: I love how realistic those makeout dreams can be. They
3: can, yeah. right? Virtual
2: reality, man. It's I love it. Weird. The two real, super realistic things are when they're makeout dreams mm-hmm. or when you somehow are bleeding. Oh, that's has the downside. And of you could actually taste the blood in your mouth. Oh no, that's super realistic. I haven't
1: for me. had that dream.
2: Uber realistic. <laughs> Uh, let's see at welcome to the party pal that's WLCM the number two T-H-E-P-R-T-Y-P-A-L also known as Jam Master Ray mm. wants to know if Snoop Dagg will have his job this time next week or will we all be <clears throat> calling in sick to March. Oh I don't know uh, this is a pretty good reason um, for Trump to fire Rosenstein. I feel like if he's going to do it, it would have happened. But he's also his advisors are like holding him down saying, no, no, no. I'm (laughs) sure there's not one person except for Hannity, probably, that's trying to tell him to do that.
1: It'd be the worst timing. That could be conspiracy to obstruct justice, by the way, if that does happen. All those swing elections, I think, would go so blue if Trump did that. Yeah, they could. So many,
2: I think. Um, Yeah, because. Independence. We all kind of realize that the firing Rosenstein is is the same as firing Mueller. Exactly. it is. Uh, at Sorrell Woods asked if Cohen was testifying before a federal grand jury Friday or if that was something else. Uh, that was Corsi. That's who I was mentioning. One of the Roger Stonehenge gang. He was testifying this Friday. We haven't heard any news about what he testified about, uh, but his testimony is done. Um, Alt White House Kitchen asked mashed potatoes or baked it depends on the dish. If I'm having
1: steak, I gotta go baked. Yeah. If I'm going with um chicken though, like barbecue chicken, mashed. Yeah. Or mm-hmm.
2: or meatloaf, mashed. Ooh. For sure. Baked potato and meatloaf is just yeah. not right. True, true. So it really depends on the main mm-hmm. the main entree. Uh if you're a vegetarian, then uh, you just pick the potato that you like. Mm. Then put oh, some vegetables what about near baked it. Baked beans or mashed beans? Refried <laughs> beans. <laughs> mashed beans. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Beans, baked or mashed. Uh, beans <laughs> um and finally at Catherine's, sorry katherine stevie on twitter asked what is the best antidote you have found uh to the crushing despair that is the news in the age of trump
1: Ooh, okay um uh, i would say this podcast Aw, very cute and conceited. I agree. That's my <laughs> second choice. This podcast <laughs> has been my my personal, and I'm sure, you know, uh, all of ours to some degree, um, like, in- inspiration for, like, keeping up, like, because it, it's overwhelming. But Not like, keeping
2: up. Um, how The antidote for the crushing despair.
1: Right, yeah. So that, too. Yeah, it makes me just feel like I'm doing something that is um, is productive, and it's like I'm trying to be active, and, you know, a, a person that's aware of what's going on and, and Trying to think of how to help it. But I would say also the movie Fahrenheit 11.9. I really feel like he should pay us for all this. I think that might also um, bring you crushing despair. uh, It's my antidote that's the question right like what's the uh, solution like what's that what makes us feel better about yeah, the question what makes yeah. you happy in these sad times these things about people creating content that will not just document what's happening because we're watching these things kind of fall apart in okay real so kind of the resistance the resistance yeah that's yeah. there you go the whole resistance but I didn't want to be too meta so I'm like specifically the media like people that independent um, producers independent mm-hmm. journalists independent like all kinds of fan, like people that are engaging on Twitter in ways I guess that's the resistance yeah the whole thing
2: <laughs> yeah and when I say the podcast I mean, laughter. Uh, I oh, yeah. I mean, you know, not not me making the podcast, right, right. but people who listen to it. Yeah. And and maybe instead of, you know, having a, a being really depressed about it, you go and make a fantasy and diamond picks it. or yeah. you, you laugh at jokes about it or mm-hmm. you you laugh at the fact that we call him Snoop Dogg, or absolutely. Um, r- l- r- r- <laughs> or. Uh, the reservoir of twas you know I love the comedy it's the, of all it's the, the best part we, yeah.
1: I just I also love the fact that um, even when the jokes stop it's like it's real we're not like when I left the theater I was just like that wasn't just a movie that I escaped from because life is was crazy that was a movie about how life is crazy yeah. and it's still crazy <laughs> and I'm like I'm trying I'm trying to make it less crazy you know yeah well so that feels good everybody that's engaging everybody that's resisting they're all trying to make it a little less crazy and I think that's awesome
2: yeah I, I think that the uh, when we were t- we had Dan Pfeiffer from Pod Save and America on the show and he talked about that, that wave of youth that's going to wash this
1: country Oh, absolutely. Clean. The Parkland kids, they're in, the, everyone, I mean, all those youth kids, but they're in the movie too and it's just like he really, break, Michael Moore breaks it down. I wish we could have him on the pod. We can oh, try to reach so out amazing. to him. amazing. He, yeah, he's just got anybody some, know Michael Moore, let us know. Let us up. know. Please tweet him, guys, if you guys could do anything <laughs> for like a, a tweet storm, that's that's the game. Yeah, or if you have his publicist to uh, contact information,
2: email it to us at hello at oh, she yeah. wrote um, and we'll see if we can reach out to him. But nice. yeah, I definitely think that the Mm, the camaraderie of the resistance um, it's amazing especially women um and that's not saying that um i don't welcome our, our male allies i no, absolutely no. do
1: they, i think they get um, it i think they know that men are as men are a given there is are what I,
2: <laughs> there are super amazing dudes out there they're are
1: great men yeah uh, they're doing really hard work so yeah i think women and just like there's we're fighting for a reason we're not fighting for nothing you know like they get it guys get it yeah some guys <laughs> Most guys. Most, Most guys, guys that, well, that I come across. Exactly. Most guys I know. Yeah.
2: Anyway, thank you guys for supporting us. We appreciate it. I've been AG.
1: I've been Julisa Johnson. And this is Muller She Wrote.
2: Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Julissa Johnson. Market consulting by Amanda Reeder at Unicorn Creative. Our digital media director and subscriber managers are Jordan Coburn and Sarah Hirschberger-Valencia. Fact-checking and research by AG with support from Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Muller Wrote staff includes AG, Jaleesa Johnson, Jordan Coburn, Sarah Hirschberger-Valencia, Jesse Egan, and Sarah Lee Steiner. Our web design and branding are by Joelle Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com.
1: You voted. I did. You protested. Again. You postcarded.
3: So many Sundays.
1: You posted on social media.
3: Got some likes.
1: And you're still reeling from all the terrible news. Yeah, but
2: what else can I do?
1: I'm Kelly. I'm Lila. And we're gonna help you figure that out. Each week we'll interview people on the front lines of political action about the things they actually did to take action what got them started, who helped them along the way, and what they'd do differently if they had it to do all over again. And in the process, we'll give you concrete advice about how to take the leap from freaking out on Twitter to making a difference. Follow What Can I Do wherever you listen to podcasts or tune in on whatcanidopodcast.com.
2: M S W media
0: Hi, I'm Liz Winston. I'm Mojiela wode Al, And we're the hosts of Feminist Buzzkills, the only weekly podcast that helps you navigate the post row hellscape.
1: We dissect all the news from that sketchy intersection of abortion and misogyny with our guests, the abortion providers and activists working on the ground. Plus, we
0: have amazing comedians to help us laugh through the rage. Feminist Buzzkills drops Fridays wherever you get your pod fix. Listen and subscribe, because when BS is popping, we pop off.